Hey guys, it's Tats here from Castagra, and welcome to the Specified Growth Podcast. Each week, I talk to leaders and experts about how to overcome adversity, grow massive organizations, and how to create meaningful change in the building materials and codings industry. Today's guest is Chuck Chapman. Chuck has been the president of Tecta America Arizona for over nine years and has been in the roofing industry since 1985. He's a skilled negotiator, has driven sales and created world-class teams and has great networking skills. He's also a humanitarian is a, and is a champion of human rights. Chuck, thanks for coming on the show. Thank you. So tell me more about your background. Well, I actually got involved in the roofing industry while I was going to college in the late 70s and early uh, 1980s. And uh, it was kind of a part-time job just to make some money while I was going to school. And after I got out of school, it became a full-time job. And 37 years later, uh, I'm still in the industry. And it's, it's been a wonderful career for me and my family. Provided a, a wonderful living. It's been uh, very challenging very educational, and also very rewarding. Mm, so you said challenging. Tell me about some of the challenges. Well, as with any industry uh, that involves people, which the roofing industry definitely involves people, whether it's your vendors or your clients or the people that work with you, you are always going to run into challenges just simply because people don't always agree and you have to navigate on how you're going to help educate other people or become educated yourself. So just dealing with people on a daily basis in and of itself can be challenging. And But that's also the rewarding part of it as well for me is, oh. is the learning process that I've gone through. And I continue to learn something new every day. Yeah. Tell me, tell me about some of the things you've learned. Well, obviously, being in the business a long time, it's it's been pretty much everything from soup to nuts. I mean, I know when I got into the industry, I, I really didn't know the difference between fiberglass insulation and isocyanurate insulation, and I didn't really know the difference between exactly what built-up roofing and, and single-ply roofing was, but that was a long, long time ago. And so, obviously, from a technical standpoint, I've learned a, a, learned a lot and continued to stay abreast of changes in the industry technically because those are things that are pretty much continuing to change if not on a daily certainly on a monthly and a quarterly type basis so those have been uh, very interesting lessons and and things that i've learned from you know technological standpoint but also learning how to manage people mentor people be mentored myself by some pretty wonderful people in the industry as well. And that's always been a learning opportunity that I've really looked forward to enjoying and, and gaining a tremendous amount of experience from. Mm-hmm. Who, who have been some of your uh, mentors? Well, there's two primarily. These gentlemen have been in the industry for quite a bit longer than I have. Both of these men are leaders in the industry. They've been in the business for probably 40 something odd years. And, uh, I've worked, worked for two of these individuals for a good percentage of my career, and they have continued to be able to give me guidance and help me answer questions when I've been stumped and uh, had been presented challenges that I really wasn't sure exactly how to handle. Can you, can you give me an example of one or two? 
Well, I'd really rather not share their names at this oh, point. Oh, yeah, but, not uh, their names, as in like the 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 lessons you said when you got stumped with some question. Like what 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 was it? Well, typically it's it's people interaction and management type decisions in terms of how to properly deal with employees that you know have a tremendous amount of upside, but there are a few things personality wise that. I may have had difficulty dealing with in the past in terms of how do I really reach this person? And and what I've discovered is that it was really my shortcoming, if you will, because I wasn't able to discover on my own how to properly communicate with these people and help them become better employees and ultimately make me a better manager. And I've gotten some assistance from both of these gentlemen throughout my career in terms of how to get over that stumbling block and and how to come across better as as a manager and make sure that I'm communicating properly to the people that I'm working with. Mm, That makes sense. Now, I know you're uh, big on sort of uh, giving back to the industry and community. Why is that aspect so important? Well, as I mentioned in the beginning, the industry has been very good to me personally and very good consequently to my family. And I really wanted to give back to the industry. And so I've been doing that for a number of years now on a lot of different levels. I became involved in uh, industry association boards. I've been on uh, three or four different board of directors uh, at different levels locally and nationally and regionally in the industry, but I've also been able to be on the charitable side of all of those organizations. Just about every single one of those organizations has a 501c3 type of portion of that association that is giving back to the industry in one way, shape, or form or another. Most, A lot of that work is being done by making scholarships available to people in the industry and helping with the education process of those people and also financially providing the assistance to their parents who are in the industry who otherwise may not be able to afford that luxury of sending their kids to either colleges or Votech schools or any of any of those upper continuing education opportunities that financially they may not be able to do. So by being involved in those charitable organizations, we provide an opportunity to get some assistance so that those parents can continue to support their kids. Now, when you get involved in these organizations, typically what what does that involvement consist of? Most of it is volunteering, and it's volunteering of your time. Yeah. The In order to raise the funds to provide yeah. these scholarships, you have to put on fundraising events. Yeah. Sometimes they're golfing events. Sometimes they're auctions. Sometimes they're shooting clays events. There's a number of different uh, bowling, charitable bowling events, and, and they're just basically fundraising events that are put on to be able to raise the funds that are necessary to provide those scholarships. And in order to make those events happen, it takes a tremendous amount of volunteerism and bodies, if you will, people, to make those events happen because otherwise you'd have to pay somebody to go out and run those events, and that would be costing you and taking away from the ability to raise the funds for the charity. Yeah. So, I mean, out of the stuff that you've done, what what sort of uh, fundraising activities have been the most uh, effective? Well, it depends on the year. Predominantly, the things that I have been involved with have been uh, golf tournaments, 
shooting clay events, auctions, charity bowling tournaments. Uh, those are the main ones that I have personally been involved with. And there's all kinds of different things that go on within those events, raffles, there's silent auctions, those type of events that go on within the event to find different ways to, to be able to raise money, additional funds for the charity. Yeah. So you were, I think you, you mentioned uh, part of these associations and boards. I guess you're the former president of the Western States Roofing Contractors Association and the Arizona Roofing Contractors Association. Within those regions, what sort of key trends or kind of things are you sort of uh, tracking? Well, prior to the outbreak of the coronavirus, business uh, for the last 18 to 24 months has been extremely good, uh, Mm. both here in Arizona and as well throughout the Western region. Pretty much every contractor that I'm aware of is doing very, very well. They're they're prospering. There's plenty of work to go around, and everybody is making a fair and equitable living, and uh, profit margins are good, and manufacturers are, are manufacturing products at record rates, and everybody's been enjoying uh, a very robust economy. And unfortunately, uh, we haven't seen it yet, but um, you know the fears certainly are by watching the stock market now for the last week and a half that you know we're going to be faced with some challenges financially and hopefully that will be short term but um, the jury's still out in terms of what's going to happen there but i think most contractors at least from the ones that i've spoken to have rather robust backlogs and um, assuming that those projects don't get canceled because of this virus everybody should be doing rather well throughout 2020 but uh, the jury's really still out at this point yeah, I mean, you, you've obviously gone through downturns in the past. How did you manage those? The most effective way I've seen is just basically manage to your volume. And in other words, you're going to pretty much have to downsize. I know the companies that the company that I was working for during the crash in 2008, 2009, yeah. the industry and the available amount of available work just pretty much dried up. And so we had to manage to our volume and Unfortunately, that a lot of times that means downsizing your business. You don't have enough work to keep that workforce moving, so you just have to downsource it and and cut some of your overhead and basically manage to your revenue. Now, how 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 quickly do you make those type of decisions? I mean, is it is there something that you went by or you saw as good good practice? Well, unfortunately, that would be the crystal ball that I don't think most of us have. And if we do have one, we don't have batteries for it. So it's just one of those things where I talked about mentors before. You know, you talk about guys that have been around and through a lot of these types of ebbs and flows of the the economy. And you just kind of got to use your best, best practices, really. Just kind of see where things are going. And planning, I think, is a really big key. I mean looking yeah. down the road and seeing how much business that you have or have not, then you have to adjust <laughs> your business accordingly. Yeah. How do you, how do you guys approach your planning? How, how regularly do you, do you approach that? We do it on a weekly basis. Okay. My company has a weekly planning meeting where we sit down and we review not only our existing projects that we're in the middle, in the progress of, but we also look forward to what's coming up. And uh, we do short and long-term planning and make sure that we're trying to fill holes that we see coming up, as well as being able to properly manage the work that we do have and schedule it accordingly with the proper uh, manpower commitments. 
Yeah. So um, you mentioned earlier about having mentors and also you're mentoring others. Uh, what are the common things when people come to you for mentorship? Because you've been in the industry uh, quite a long time yourself. What, what sort of advice do you pass on to people? You know, it's kind of funny. <laughs> it, it seems to be the same advice that <laughs> I was looking for and, and, and that I look for myself because I yeah. think we all go through the same or similar type struggles. Yeah. And it's just a matter of passing along experiences and, and saying, Hey, you know, I, that happened to me 20 years ago and this is what the outcome was. Was it good? Was it bad? But either way, it's a learning process. Even if it's a bad situation, you're still learning something from that situation. And, and a lot of times they've been very good outcomes and those have always been educational learning processes as well. So I think it's very similar for the folks, the younger people that, that come to me and ask for advice. Yeah. So uh, what are you most uh, proud of? You know, I think the thing I'm probably the most proud of is, is my volunteer work. It's very, been, been very gratifying for me to be able to give back to the industry. I, I know that a lot of the good fortune that I've had in this industry has been because of other people. Mm. And they've been good enough to share that with me. They've been good enough to help me achieve my goals. And so therefore it's been very gratifying for me to give back to the industry in terms of volunteering and, and helping others achieve some of the things they otherwise might not be able to do. Yeah, that makes sense. Now you're very busy and uh, you're involved in so many different things. How do you sort of keep it all together? Do you have any sort of tips or, or tricks that help you sort of uh, keep it all organized? Well, I think you just hit it on the right word there, organized. <laughs> Got to know where you are, where you're going, and where you've been. And I spent a lot of time getting myself organized. I've been accused of being sometimes a little bit overly organized, <laughs> but it, it, it helps me stay on track and not let things fall through the cracks because we are all busy. I mean, not just myself, but, um, you know, there's most of my friends and, and uh, coworkers and peers in the industry are just as busy, if not as busy as I am. Yeah. And um, I think the way that they succeed is by doing exactly that, staying organized, making sure that you have your priorities in the right place and staying on top of where it is that we're going. Yeah. So you talked about your planning session. So Organized means different things to different people. Like, can you give me some examples, you know, on, on, on sort of uh, more specific ways that you get organized? Well, there was a period of time in my career that I wasn't very organized. I didn't <laughs> okay. really have any organizational type tools. Ah, tools. My personal time management was not the best in the world. And a pretty smart uh, boss of mine at the time was kind enough to had me attend a few classes in terms of improving my time management. And so I developed some tools to use that I still use to this day in terms of keeping myself organized. I just my own personal thing is I, I do have a daily to-do list. Yeah. Uh, I keep track of, of what it is that I need to accomplish in that day. I prioritize it and I line it out pretty much every morning or yeah. the night before, depending on uh, what my day looks like. Yeah. How many things do you have on there? It depends on the day. It could be yeah. some days it might be a dozen different things. Hmm. 
Okay. But other days, uh, the workload might be just two or three projects, but they're rather large projects, and they're going to require a pretty pretty much a large time commitment that's going to take up the bulk of my day. So there's there's never a dull moment. I can t- I can guarantee you that. <laughs> uh, so you say n- never a dull moment. What was what are some of your most memorable days? Well, unfortunately, the most memorable days, I think, are the days where where there's usually some issues. And unfortunately, <laughs> if you've been in this if you've been in this business long enough, you're going to have days that are a little bit of a challenge. And unfortunately, every project doesn't go perfectly. And it's the days where you have a little bit of a hiccup on a project, whether it's a piece of equipment or, unfortunately, uh, in the roofing industry, every once in a while, we don't keep as much moisture out of the building as we would like to. And yeah. We have to address that, but that's uh, unfortunately the uh, part of the industry, and you're going to come across that sooner or later. But I think as far as our customers go, they understand that we're not the most perfect people in the world. But when we do have challenges and when we do have problems, it's how well you deal with those issues. Yeah, so true. So when you're not dealing with these challenges, what sort of hobbies or sort of pastime do you have? Well, I have two main hobbies other Ah. than my family, of course. Of course. My family is probably my most important hobby, especially my wife. And but my personal hobbies, if you will, I'm I'm a very avid downhill skier. I've been doing that I've been doing that since I was about six years old. And uh I love to play golf. Huh. Didn't start playing golf until quite a bit later in my life, but I've been playing it pretty avidly now for the last uh, twenty plus years and I really, really enjoy it a lot. Wow. Do you, do you, it sounds like, do you compete or just, just recreational? Well, interesting. I do some, as I call it, beer league giant slalom racing when, uh, on the weekends during the wintertime, which is kind of fun. It's just recreational amateur racing, but it's been, it's been very rewarding. It's a lot of fun and I've gained a lot of friends. That's awesome. Now, is there, Anything that I should have asked you but didn't? Boy, I can't really think of anything. I think you've been very thorough, other than uh, the Davis Memorial Foundation yeah. and the Arizona Roofing in- the Arizona Roofing Industry Foundation are the two five hundred one c threes that I'm involved with right now, and they're both entities that give out scholarships on a regular basis. Yeah. The Davis Memorial Foundation has been doing it for a little over twenty years now, and the Arizona Roofing Industry Foundation has been doing it for about 10 years now. And both of them have given out a tremendous amount of scholarships to kids of parents or somehow they've been connected to the roofing industry in one way, shape, or form or another. And both of them are getting to the point now where they're going to be looking at awarding the scholarships for the 2020 calendar year and and, uh, providing some funding for kids that are going to start going to school or go back to school sometime in the fall of 2020. So looking forward to reviewing those applications and awarding those scholarships for both of those entities. Wonderful. Well, you're involved in a lot of great things and uh, I appreciate so much for uh, what you shared today. Well, thank you very much. I want to thank everyone for listening to Specify today. Also want to thank the listeners who are working hard each day to change the world to make it a better place. If you know anyone, anyone that would benefit from this episode, please 
pass it along. And finally, make sure you subscribe to hear upcoming episodes. Talk to you soon. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.